0: We're in the middle of a series, coming up on the end of a series here in the book of Ephesians. We've been walking through the whole book, but uh, Ephesians was what is known as a circular letter. So it was uh, the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, wrote this letter to a group of churches. uh, One of those churches in Ephesus, and hence the name Ephesians, the Ephesian people. And what's awesome about it, being a circular letter is it is written just simply to believers, to people who have bowed the knee to Christ and have given their lives to Him. and He has indwelt us, moved in, taken up residence in our hearts. And so we see things in a new way. That new life is birthed inside of us. And so, fittingly, the subtitle is Paul's letter to Tampa because it's God's Word that he inspired through the pen of the Apostle Paul. And so Paul is writing and, and what he's looking for, and I love this about all of the letters that Paul wrote, is through the letter, from beginning to end, you can feel his passion, his love for these people, and for his desire for them to flourish in their life in Christ. And so we want you to feel that, in your own heart and soul and mind, as we read this letter together, that Paul had in his heart for all believers, these things. And so, that's where we find ourselves, we find ourselves in this letter uh, with Paul writing to us. And so, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, so if you want to take your Bible there or grab your phone, it'll be on the screens, if not, but uh, and if you've got notes, we've got a couple things that you can fill out, but... As we get started, let's let's go to the Lord and ask the Spirit for His help. Let's pray. God, again, we come into Your presence, Your courts with praise, with thanksgiving. You are good. You're God. We are definitely not. And so we confess, Holy Spirit, that we need Your help. That just as Your Word says and testifies of itself, that every time it goes out, It never returns empty. And so I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear wonderful things in your word. And Jesus, we ask that you would come and meet with us, that we might see you more clearly because you are our vision today. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Have you ever been lost? I mean like lost. I had the privilege, the wonderful privilege of being a youth pastor for a lot of years before uh, I do what I'm doing now, and there was one summer where we were on a trip to summer camp. Have you ever been to summer camp in youth group? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, that's one thing. Have you ever led teenagers on a youth summer camp? Yeah, special place in heaven for us, alright? Just saying. Um, uh, and so, like, there's this whole other piece, is that when you're married to somebody who is actually a better leader than you are, um, that you you have uh, intense fellowship on these trips with your spouse. And uh, you can use that, by the way, in your marriage. We're not fighting kids. We're having intense fellowship. The Spirit's here, all right? And, uh... So, like, we were, I was driving this bus, okay, get get a picture in your head with me. I was driving a bus, and, and on the back of the bus was a trailer with all the luggage. So, I mean, obnoxiously large. Of course, it was the youth group bus, so it barely ran. Um, and so, like, you have the picture. And so, I mean, we were in the middle of, like, Georgia, like, lost. I think Jordan might have even been there. Were, were you there? We met him, yeah. It was... He'll affirm everything that's happening, all right. But we were in the middle of like backwoods Georgia, like lost, lost. And I had like this was okay. So here's why: because this was, I know I look so young, but this was before like you had Apple Maps and Google Maps. Like this was back in the day where you printed out your MapQuest. Anybody? Anybody? All right, and uh, or like maybe some of you will identify like we had a Rand McNally like in the in the in the bus and. But if you don't know where you are, the map's no good, right? Like, I don't know where I'm at. So, no Siri, no Google, nothing like that. And when you're in that moment, we've all had those feelings, right? There is a certain hopelessness, a certain desperation that leads to anger, that leads to frustration, that... And then, depending on your personality, it can lead to a lot of other things, right? But we've all been in that place where where there is a certain level of fear, particularly when you're responsible for other people. Like maybe you've lost a kid in a store, or you like leave somewhere and you realize like you left your wallet, your phone, like everything wherever you were, and then you can't really remember where you were, and you just there's a level of fear, a level of hopelessness. And most of the time, we figure it out, and I'm obviously standing here today, Jordan's still alive, and so like, we made it out, but not without a few arguments, and yeah, a few confessions of sin. (laughs) But what I really want to ask you is, while that's kind of funny and comical, and we've all had those experiences, I think chances are, if you're like me, there have been moments spiritually where you have felt lost. That there have been seasons in your life where maybe you just couldn't see God. Or maybe you just couldn't hear God. Or maybe you you just were lost and there's a certain level of fear there. I'm pretty convinced that most of us, if we were honest, live in that place a lot more often than we maybe even admit to ourselves. That if we were really to peel back the layers, we don't actually understand why certain things are the way they are. That if we were to be really honest, there there might be some things in your life or things in the lives of people you love or see that just we're not sure. That there is a there is a place where We feel like that. I certainly felt that way this week, just as a dad and a husband. You know, I was joking about the kid thing, but it's true. There are moments as a parent where you look at your kids and you say, I just need the Holy Spirit to step in because there's nothing I can do. And there's a level of hopelessness in that. And and even, you know, for you in your own life, there's going to be moments where that is Incredibly true. And what my question is, is if Paul was writing a letter to us and he's wanting us to experience the flourishing that we can in Christ, where is flourishing in that place? Where's God in that moment, in that desert, in that land between who I am and who I think I should be? Who of us isn't in that place where we look at our lives and say, this is who I am, but this, this is really who I ought to be. We certainly have those moments. And so this morning we're in Ephesians 5, and out of context it can make you feel lost like that. Out of context, if you were to just grab these things, you were going to think that God gave you a list of things that are impossible to do and be defeated, and that's true. They're impossible for you. On your own. But in the context of what we're doing, they're not. Because two weeks ago we talked about what human flourishing, what shalom and peace with God, Emmanuel, God with us. What does that look like? We began to look at that in the unity of the body, in the unity of the church. Jesus calls us his kids. He calls us his body, his bride. These metaphors for what we are. And so we began to look at that. What unified church life looks like. That was two weeks ago. Next week, we're going to talk about the S word. You know what the S word is? If you know Ephesians, you do. Submission. Get ready. Alright? Unity into submission. Today, we have a really important text. Right? Because how does a unified church move into submission to each other. Submission in marriage. Submission to the Lord. Without something miraculous, you and I, we don't move towards submission. It's not our natural instinct. At all. And so, this text is important because it bridges the gap Between unity and submission? What are the things that, as the body comes together in unity, what are the things that move us toward submission to Christ, submission to each other, and ultimately into the roles that God has called us to play? Does flourishing sound like the life you're living? this Christmas season? It's an important question. Does peace with God sound like the life you're living? I want that to roll around in your mind because your experience in this life is that you are not going to find that at work. You're not going to find it just in your family. You're really not going to find it in success of any kind from this world standard. That will give you moments of it, so don't hear me saying that, like, if I make tons of money, I'm not going to be happy. There's a certain level of happiness that goes with that, right? We get it. But lasting joy, the joy that we've been singing about this morning, only comes from outside of us. Something otherworldly. Before we dive into Ephesians 5, Uh, Martin Luther, a great reformer, wrote this thing called a Heidelberg Disputation. And in it, he reminds us of some incredibly important things. Let me read it to you. He reminds us that the God of the Bible is not easily impressed with monuments, the things that we build. Yet, each of us continues to build and worship our own idols. And at the heart of it, we want to matter as human beings, don't we? We want to matter. And so we try harder, and we build bigger, and then we're all guilty of it. Because we want to matter, and we, we really believe on the inside that our contribution to that matters. And yet, isn't it striking that our God prefers to be found in the green wood of the manger as a helpless baby waiting to be dedicated and that He desires to be found in that old, rugged wood of the cross. That those are the places. When we come to Ephesians chapter 5, what I want you to see is that God invites us into three places. So if you're taking notes, you're going to see three blanks there. God invites us into three places. And as we go to these three places, I want you to notice that your flourishing, your peace with God and peace with others, is actually found in this way of life, this path of surrender. So, look at the first five verses. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, says this. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and live in love, just as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But among you there must not be either sexual immorality, impurity of any kind, or greed, as these are not fitting for the saints. Neither should there be vulgar speech, foolish talk, or coarse jesting, all of which are out of character, but rather thanksgiving. For you can be confident of this one thing, That no person who is immoral, impure, or greedy, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. If you were to pluck that out of context, that word of law, God's law, would crush you. Because there's sufficient evidence in those five verses to condemn you and I. Right. I'm not. That's. I'm out of character. You're out of character. Right. It's out of character. It's not fitting for the saints. Right. And so that word saints connects us back to the very place we started in this book. That on your own. You are not a saint. (laughs) But you are a saint because of the gift. That was given to you through Jesus on the cross. So even in this text, the vision is still Jesus. Right? Because it says, be imitators of God. How's that going? Not well. But it's connected to this wonderful promise. Right? This wonderful gift connected to be imitators of God. Don't do all these other things. They're not fitting for saints. But there's a key phrase there. Right? It says... As dearly loved what? Children. How many times do children mess up in a day? A lot. I lose my voice sometimes telling my kids what to do. <laughs> but as dearly loved children, what does that mean? It means that this destination of no hint of any of those sins is a work in progress. And there's hope there. There's hope there. Because we look to Jesus to see what love looks like. And in imitating Him, we find that all the things that we've wanted, immorality, impurity, inappropriate speech, lust and greed, are all not fitting for us. In fact... Like little kids, they feel dirty and wrong when we do them. But in it, we begin to feel thankful for God's love. You see what this text is doing? It's connecting you to the way that a child looks at it. To feel the appropriate response in who you are for how those things make people who are saints, children of God, feel. And our response to that is is that we want to run, but the loving Father actually draws us in. And so in imitating Jesus, we begin to see that those things lose their significance. Those things that we want that are wrong, those sins, they lose their significance when we begin to really see Jesus. So our human flourishing, our peace with God as humans, actually begins by seeing our Maker. And His love poured out for us through Jesus on the cross. It's Him giving Himself for us is what it says. That Christ loved us and gave Himself for us. It's in His love that we begin to see what is fitting for saints. It is fitting for saints to imitate Jesus and love well and love deeply. Because scripture says this in 1 John chapter 4. It's not going on the screen. I just want you to listen to it. I want it to filter through your soul. Here's what John wrote. He says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God. Right? Not that God acts first. But that he loved us. And sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us, then we ought also to love one another. It's in that, that we don't hear love. But we hear God loves you. And because of that, you can love people around you. You'll never do it on your own. So, so number one in your notes is simply this. Live in love. In, in that command that verses 1 through 5 give us, we actually find freedom. Do you actually realize that it's a whole lot more work for you to hate somebody than to love somebody? You've got to work overtime to make sure you're mad at every part of them. And I know you do. Don't act like you don't. But how do I, how do I move toward that? Okay, if I'm, if I'm listening to the Father and I'm hearing that invitation to come and live in love, what do I have to do to get from the darkness that I'm in to the love that He offers? How, how do I get that? The, the next section tells us. Look at verse 6. It says, Let nobody deceive you With empty words. For because of these things, God's wrath comes on the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be sharers with them. For you were at one time darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. I love this next statement. Live like children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness righteousness and truth trying to learn what is pleasing to the lord do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness but rather expose them for the things they do in secret are shameful even to mention but all things being exposed by the light are made visible for everything is made visible is light And for this reason it says, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So the vision again is Jesus, right? How do I begin to move toward loving people the way that Jesus loves me? That's difficult, even impossible for me to do that all the time. But it is possible when I begin to move from the darkness where I'm at into the light where he is at. Because what does it say? It doesn't say when you move out of the darkness. It says when Christ shines on you, you begin to see through the deceptive lies of the enemy, the empty offers of the world, and the darkness that comes with living in the shadows. Jesus invites you to live as a child of light. What a powerful statement. To live as a child of light. Think about that. Where do children of light spend their time? They spend their time in the light. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's verse 10 and 11. Not participating in the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather exposing them by speaking the truth in love is pleasing to the Lord. But I love this part of it. This word of law doesn't happen through our trying. right? It says, don't do these things. But to do those things, what are you going to need? You're going to need Christ to shine on you, right? Because if you're going to live, it's not through our trying. This kind of transformation in the way we live is only accomplished through, try, through dying. So think about that. It's not through my trying. It's actually through my dying that I will live. Transformation is a miracle, right? Scripture tells us that when old things pass away, new things come. And that's a miracle. That conversion is only done outside of us. It begins with one-way love, God acts first. And then it's the Spirit of God born in us and maturing in us as we look to Jesus. All of this is done in the light. Our joy, our delight comes to us as children living in the light. So if you're going to live as one of God's kids in the light, you can see the imagery, right? When a child is ashamed of themselves, and by the way, shame is a huge thief of joy. I think in a room with this many people in it, we're bound to have lots of us that struggle with shame. Shame of things we've done or said or been a part of or seen or whatever it is. Shame is simply one of those lies that the devil tells you to keep you from the light, to keep you in the darkness. And I want you to know that the Bible actually says in John 8:12, Jesus says this, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. So if your faith is in Jesus today, you don't have to live in the shadows of your shame. You can step into the light and speak the truth in love because God will never walk in darkness. You can be free. The first instinct of children is to hide, to avoid, to run away. But that loving father moves and seeks that child out and opens that conversation and brings that issue into the light and solves or resolves the issue within minutes and then the child is on their way playing and laughing. Have you ever noticed that kids have a remarkable ability to move on? It's amazing. I mean, their brother or sister can punch them in the face. May or may not have happened. Yesterday. <laughs> Brothers. But within, within a half hour, they're playing in the yard again. They have a remarkable resilience to forgive. We're like that with God the Father. He's moving toward us, calling us, inviting us into the light, yet we are not quite convinced that he's good because of our shame. We're not quite convinced that He's truly good. But the Father invites you into the light where His Son will shine on you. And what does the text say? Raise your soul to life. What do we need this Advent season, this Christmas season, as we wait, expectant for the Son of God to come? We need that. We need freedom. We need to be invited into the light. So if you feel lost today, if you feel like you're not living in the light today, if you feel like you're in the shadows of your shame, listen again to John 8, 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, the one who follows me. So if you're stuck in the past, Scripture says the one who follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life so if you feel lost today the vision is Jesus scripture tells us to fix our eyes on him because he's the author and finisher of our faith so if you're between him authoring your faith and finishing your faith you're in the middle you're in the land between scripture says follow him and you'll never walk in darkness so number two live in the light live in love live in the light but in those statements of command recognize that only when christ shines on you can you live in the light and only when you're living in the light can you live in love you have to be loved to be able to love we need jesus So the final piece to this puzzle, and number three, is found in verse 15 to 21. Here's what scripture says, as it kind of wraps these things together and moves us toward what this last verse will be. Listen to what he says. Therefore, so if I'm living in the light, I'm living in love, how do I bring those things together? How do I tie that knot? My eyes are fixed on Jesus. It says this, therefore, consider carefully. How you live, not as unwise, but as wise, taking advantage of every opportunity because the days are evil. For this reason, do not be foolish, but be wise by understanding what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled by the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I expect you all to sing to me next Sunday. Making, love this statement, making music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is. And submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ final piece of this puzzle is that we would carefully consider our way of life. Number three is live wisely. That we would consider our worldview, the lens, the presuppositions that we bring to this unified family. It ends with submitting to each other, not winning. Oh, that rhymes. Not winning, submitting. You're welcome. You can tweet that later. It ends with dying. That's counterintuitive. It's countercultural to the things that you're told. We we kind of joke about, you know, Cyber Monday and Black Friday, and, and yet we're we're constantly told that we need more. We need more. We need more. I want more. I want more. I want more. I have to have more. I need more. And Jesus is actually saying, no, you don't need more. You don't need to live in the shadows any longer. You don't need to get more stuff to take your mind off of the truth. You need to step out of the darkness and into the light where Jesus is. Truth and love begin with the wise choice to stop trying and instead die. It's here in our death that we actually begin to live. It's in this counterintuitive spiritual land, this strange way, this third way, that the spirit of the living God that this text talks about arises in us in submitting my preferences for yours. We need Jesus for that. We need to step out of the darkness and into the light for that. The vision is Jesus because only in him can we, as scripture says, live and move and breathe. So I want to wrap it up this way. I believe that every one of us needs to take a step. I believe every one of us needs to take a step toward love, light, or wisdom today. I don't think there is a soul within the sound of my voice sitting here, or that will listen online or watch online. Not a soul. Not one of us. That doesn't need to take a step in love, light, or wisdom today. The Holy Spirit can do the work on helping you identify which one. But maybe you're anxious this Christmas season. Maybe you're anxious. And you need to step into the light and allow the Holy Spirit to meet with you there. Maybe you're prideful today. Maybe even me saying that makes you feel like you don't have a step to take. And I would just encourage you to submit to the Word of God, to the Holy Spirit, and ask Him to show you. Maybe you're lazy, maybe you're ashamed. Maybe you're lost today. Maybe you're bitter this Christmas. What's the step that you need to take toward light, love, and wisdom? I'm going to have the band come up and we're going to take communion together today. It's in the seat back right in front of you. If you're on the front row and you need one, there's a, a thing right over here. But the beauty of the Lord's table is that he acts in it and we just participate, right? Don't you love that? Don't you love what he's doing in that moment? 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that uh, it is in the body and blood of Jesus that we participate. That it's the supernatural way. It's the natural way into the supernatural way. But as we approach it, Scripture is careful to tell us in 1 Corinthians 11 that we should examine ourselves. And that we should confess sin and mend relationships and look to Jesus. But what I want you to feel good about today is that your Father is good. His correction is good. It is love because God is love. And so as the instruments play, just for a minute, just for one minute, I want you to bow your head and spend a minute with the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to reveal, as Scripture says, any wicked way in you, in me, in us. And just confess that, because Scripture says if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And once you are clear before the Lord, I just encourage you to then ask Him to show you where you need to take a step. Where you need to take a step. Is it in love towards others? Is it in love towards yourself? Is it in light? Do you need to step out of the shame of your past? Out of the shame of your present? And move towards Jesus? Move toward the Father? Or is it in wisdom? Do you need to carefully consider the way that you are living? And make the most of every opportunity. And just invite the Holy Spirit to move in and and to do His thing. So take just a minute, and then I'll lead you through the elements of communion together.